All right, well, if you haven't figured it out by now, today's Mother's Day. And so I can't let a Mother's Day go by without giving you chocolate. So ushers, if I could have some ushers and um, some helpers start handing out these bags. My special gift to you. So you go ahead. I tried not to put any cellophane in there so we wouldn't hear it. Poor little guy back there. I want chocolate. Talk to Grandma, buddy. She'll share with you. The rest of us turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Go ahead, dig into those chocolates. You're going to need them today, I'm sure. Today I want to share a special message for the ladies, but men, please do not check out today, okay? Because if God can use a commercial on TV, they're like two or three, please. But men, don't check out because God can use anything. He can use a TV commercial. He can use a bulletin board. He can use a tree in the field. He can use anything to speak to us if we're listening. So don't check out. Even though this is a special Mother's Day message, I want you to stay completely engaged and receive what God has for you today, too. Today's message is titled, Planting for the Future. And so, ladies, if you've noticed in your bag, I also put in there a package of wildflower seeds just for you. So find a little piece around your home to plant those flowers to remind you every day, and I mean, I came up with a thousand topics I could have put over today's message. Bloom where you're planted. Always be digging out those weeds, because God has something beautiful for you. You are the beautiful rose in God's garden. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we're going to focus on planting for the future. If you look over with me at Mark chapter 4, I love this parable. And a parable is simply just a story that Jesus told to help us relate to a heaven's truth with simple things we can see in nature and in the world today. And he started in verse 3, and he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And look down in verse 14. Now Jesus explains this parable to his disciples. He says, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seen seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. As much as I'd like to, and... Most of the time you hear it when this scripture is used, we liken it to the person who's receiving the word. But today I want us to look at 
the farmer. The farmer who sows the seed. He's a pretty important part of this parable. And yet we keep looking over him when we dig into the scripture. Because how will they hear unless someone sends them? Unless someone preaches the word, shares the word. Who's the farmer in this parable? We are. The Christian. We are the farmer. The Christian sows the word. This parable teaches us where to sow the word and what our responsibility is to produce a harvest from the seed that's sown. I mean, look at the story again. Verse 14, the farmer sows the word. Verse 15, but then he goes on to talk about some people. 16, others. Verse 18, still others. Verse 20, others. He's talking about others, 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 and how they receive it. But he says, the farmer sows the word. You are the farmer. There's two points I want to make today. I'd like to say it's going to be a brief message, but I tend to lie when I say that. Because even though I plan for it, something always happens. So I really believe it's going to be a, a brief message today. <laughs> two points. First point, sow and keep sowing. Sow and keep sowing. There's a story today. Um, I don't know if it's a story. It's more of those fables, those things that people talk about, you know, there always was. Anyway, in England, it's said um, that there's beautiful wildflowers that always grow along the roads. And they said it's because one man carried in his pockets seeds. And wherever he walked, he would just scatter his seeds, scatter his seeds, scatter his seeds. And I thought, oh, that's, you know, he saw the beauty in the world and he wanted to make it more beautiful. The farmer sees the harvest. That's why he'll toil over the seed. That's why he'll till up the soil. That's why he'll work and work and get up early in the morning and work and work because he sees the harvest. Now, does every seed he plant produce a harvest? No. Every seed that that man that would walk along produce a flower? No. But he's not responsible for that. You're not responsible for that. You're responsible to sow. The farmer sows the word. The farmer sows the word. Sow and keep sowing. Where? See, now that's another thing. If you read this story, it talks about that there's different types of soil. But did that limit him as to where he planted the seed? No. He planted it everywhere, everywhere. Oh, that's the path. I'm going to hold on to my seed. I'm not going to share it there. No. He sowed the seed there. He sowed the seed there. He sowed the seed. He sowed it everywhere. He didn't say, are you worthy of this seed before I share it with you? No. He sowed the seed everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. He wasn't responsible for choosing where the seed was to be sown. His responsibility, sow the word. Someone once said, if you plant for a year, plant grain. If you plant for 10 years, plant trees. If you plant for 100 years, plant men. But if you want to plant for eternity, plant the word. That's eternity. Sow and keep sowing. Galatians 6, 7 through 9 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Verse 9. So let us not become weary and doing good, for at the proper time we will reap 
a harvest if we do not give up. Didn't say you might. I hope that you will. No, it says, the word says, you will. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Like the opening video, women, we are super heroes. Yes, let me just explain. Sometimes the superhero gets beaten up. I love action movies. You know that about me. And I love Marvel and I love all of them. And I love Batman and Superman, even though I haven't watched the Batman versus Superman. So don't spoil it for me. I'm tending to lean toward the bat, but Superman, I remember watching Superman and he would get beat up and I'd be like, get up! Don't you just scream at the TV? Guys do this over sports. Come on, ladies. We can do this over superheroes. And they get beat up, but you know, what did Superman do? He had to retreat to the ice cave. Get a little encouragement. Gather up a few more resources. But then he didn't hide out in the cave. I'm such a loser. <laughs> I'll tell you, that did make me upset. I don't remember which one, but one of the Superman, not the Superman, Spider-Man. The little kid kept crying. I'm like, suck it up. What are you doing? You're Spider-Man. Get out there. And he's like, boop, 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 boop. I'm like come on. So you got your butt kicked. Get up. Get back out there again. Because that's what moms do. You have, I mean, I'll tell you, I did get upset. There is a, I think it's a night, day quill. I think it's day quill, night quill. It's one of those quills. Commercials where it's, you know, sometimes they play the one with the mom in it. Sometimes they play the one with the guy in it. The one with the guy in it that he's sick. And he checks in on his little son. His son's in his crib. And he's like, I'm sorry, dude. I'm going to have to take the day off. I'm sick today. And the kid looks at him, you know. And, he, and it, the advertisement was for, I think it was NyQuil. NyQuil, just sleep it off. You know, sleep. You just need rest. Sleep it off. So then they show the husband in the bed sleeping. The other commercial is the woman sick. The mom is sick. And she tries to check in. Uh, sorry, honey. I'm really sick. Oh, take Dayquil and keep going, woman. It's like, what? Even Hollywood knows moms don't get the day off. You don't get the day. Keep going. You are a superhero. They might spit their peas at you in the high chair. They might kick at you, which I won't talk about that. Anyway, they might, you know, you got to just keep going. You have to sow and keep sowing. You have to plant for the future. Everything you do, you know that God's given you a resource to do it. But sometimes we hold those resources in unopened packages. And we're like, isn't this a pretty package? He's like, open it. There's something in there to help you in what you're doing right now. And we're just looking at the pretty bow on the package. We have to realize he's given us everything we need. Matter of fact, 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. And that's where we stumble. We don't even know what we're holding on to. He said, I've given you a resource for that issue. You're dealing with this kid right here. If you just go right here, I'll give you the answer for dealing with right here. Don't spare the rod. Oh, that's a word for you for today. Whatever it is, it's already been given to us. Every resource. But we have to dig into it, the knowledge, through the knowledge of him. We have to dig into what he's given us. We can't stand in God's strength if we don't even know the strength we possess in him. FedEx ran a Super Bowl commercial that spoofed the movie Castaway, in which Tom Hanks played a FedEx worker 
whose company plane went down, stranding him on a desert island for years. Remember in the volleyball that he, yeah, okay, anyway. Looking like Tom Hanks in the movie, the FedEx employee in the commercial goes up to the door of a suburban home, package in hand. When the owner comes to the door, he explains that he survived five years on a deserted island, and during that whole time, he kept this package in order to deliver it when he gets off the island. She gives a simple, oh, thank you. However, he's been so curious about what's in the package that he has been protecting for the last five years, he couldn't help but say, but can I please know what's in the package? She opens it and shows him the content, saying, eh, nothing really. It's just a satellite telephone, a global positioning device, a compass, a water purifier, and some seeds to plant a garden. But he's been holding that package the whole time. We walk around at Christians holding a package in our hand saying, isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? And then we go to our knees and pray, God, I don't know what to do about this. I don't know what to do about this. And my kid's doing this and my husband's doing that. And what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And he's like, ahem, ahem. It's all right here. Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. That's pretty good. Come on, it's all right there, but we have everything we need in the knowledge. We have to open it up and dig it out. It's there. Sow and keep sowing. Number two, the farmer wasn't labeled a failure when the seed didn't produce. Did you notice that? When he threw the seed on the, what was the first one, the path? On the path. Oh, and now the birds ate it all up. I'm such a failure. <laughs> I can't go on. I'm not going to sow anymore. Look at my seed. They're all eating my seed. No, he just kept going. And he kept going. How many times did he keep going before he finally found the good soil? Come on. He didn't stop at the failure. I mean, really, come on, let's just call it like it is. That was a failure, man. Well, you thrown out there. Why did you throw it on there? You should have seen it. They're not going to plant it. Why did you even do that? Where the seed fell, what the outcome of the seed produced, how the seed grew, was not the farmer's concern. Our responsibility is to sow the seed. Only God can bring the harvest. Only God can produce the harvest. Mark chapter 4, down later in Verse 26 through 32, Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does nothing for it. Doesn't know about it. He doesn't do a thing for it. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, then he puts his sickle to it because the harvest has come. It's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to sow and keep sowing. So what if it doesn't come back the way you thought it was going to come back? So what if you every day you've got six kids and from the oldest one to the youngest one, you've been doing the same things, but they're not producing what you want to see them produce. You just keep sowing. You just keep sowing. As a matter of fact, refine a little. Come on. If you tried it with this one and something, refine a little bit more, but keep sowing. Refine. Just keep going. You know, I raised six. The two I got to say are my best ones so far. 
The other ones, well, you know, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, kidding. Just a side note, even in your worst times as a mother, continue to say out loud how much you love your family, how much you're blessed, how much they mean to you, because they need to hear that. Because I don't know about you, mamas, but sometimes this mama can get a little overwhelmed and sometimes a little bit more or less than helpful, beneficial, building up, blossoming, flowery things come out. And so we just need to plant for the future, keep speaking things into existence. I love my family. I love my children. You are the best. You are the best. We need to plant for the future, not disqualify ourselves because our seed isn't producing the way we want it to. I, I mean, I was thinking about this this morning um, when I was praying. It does, the Bible doesn't say where Jesus' stepbrothers became converts. Because when he was little, they didn't believe in him. Could you imagine the mama? How could you not believe in your brother? How could you not believe in your brother? Yeah, he's right here. He lives with us. It's right here. How could you not? I don't know how they were not showing it. And I don't know when it happened. I'm sure it wasn't in her timing. But it's in God's timing. We have to just keep planting for the future. And I said don't disqualify ourselves. Because women, and we've talked about this in our marriage life group, um, our mind goes a million miles an hour. We don't just have one voice. We have multiple voices, and they're all our own. If you're hearing something that's not your own voice, you can come up for prayer afterward. Anyway, prayer, deliverance. See Pastor Neil. Anyway, but a lot of things go over and over in our mind, especially when we blow up, blow off, make a mistake, sin, whatever you want to call it. Um, we immediately disqualify ourselves. And there's a lot of times, I mean, I had one daughter, my oldest one's a daughter, the rest five were boys. And at one time we had 12 people in our household, or maybe 15. Yeah, and then when my oldest son always had all his teenager friends over that were always complaining about all their moms and their situation, we had a full house all the time. And as anybody would, uh, you kind of blow up, blow off, and I'd go to bed, and I'd like cry the rest of the night. I am such a failure. I can't believe I just blew up like that at that kid and then put him to bed. You know, what was I doing? So there was times that I would sneak into, usually Isaiah's room, I'd sneak in there and whisper to him, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to be. He's like, no, I needed it. Oh, okay. And I'm going back to bed. But we disqualify ourselves. We are so hard on ourselves. It's easy for us to forgive our kids. It's easy for us to forgive others. But we have a hard time. And men, listen up. We have a hard time forgiving ourselves, don't we? Matter of fact, I just got a Facebook message this morning from a cousin of mine that, you know, was going on and on about, you know, happy Mother's Day, love you, you know, blah, 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 smoochy, smoochy, all this nice stuff. And then right in the middle of that, she started going on about how, you know, I've made some horrible mistakes, and I have a hard time forgiving myself. And I thought, boy, Lord, you just bring out illustrations everywhere at every time. But, And I wrote back to her, and I said, you know, and as a Christian, there's no place for unforgiveness at the cross. If we ask for forgiveness, there's no place, no room to pick up unforgiveness, especially in ourselves. We're the one asking for forgiveness. So if we hold on to unforgiveness on our, in ourselves, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with that. There is something wrong. As a matter of fact, if you're not able to forgive yourself because of whatever, mom, whatever, whatever, I mean, 100 times a day, whatever, 
when you say, I need to carry this on forgiveness because I did blah, blah, blah. That was just horrible, horrible. You are, in essence, telling Jesus what you did on the cross was not good enough for me. It wasn't enough because it can't forgive me for what I did. You know, sometimes you just need to speak out loud what your voices are saying in your mind for you to see how ridiculous that sounds. When she was telling me that she has a hard time forgiving herself, I made a lot of mistakes. I have a hard time forgiving myself. I just started quoting back to her. Are you not a new creature in Christ? Were you not created in the image of God? And when you ask for forgiveness, did he not pick you up, clean you off, and put you back in the right place that he created you? Did he not forgive you for everything? Did you not ask him for forgiveness for everything? I mean, there is just no place for unforgiveness, especially in ourselves. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Now, if we're outside of Christ, if we haven't come to a relationship with Jesus Christ yet, then, yeah, hello, there's guilt, there's shame, there's everything. You know, because when you're looking at the face of pure holiness and sacrifice and love, and you're carrying sin, it, there's, there's a heavy heart there. But once you lay it down and ask for forgiveness and take upon you everything that he died for you to have, none of it includes condemnation, guilt, shame, or unforgiveness. Nothing. It's not there. So there's no way, moms, that you could ever be disqualified or considered a failure no matter what your seed is producing. Your responsibility is to sow the seed. The harvest is God's concern. Remember, the Bible says if you train up a child in the way they should go, God will, God will bring them back. God will. We don't know when. Boy, we would like to, mamas, don't we? We want to plan that sucker. And it would be nice if by the time I'm thinking that, you know, age of accountability, my personal opinion, is between 11 and 12 when they come into, I mean, they don't really come into all their senses, but, you know, where I know what I'm doing is wrong. So we would like to hit them about 10 years old. Right there, buddy, you're full out in love with Jesus, never to sin again. Amen. Hallelujah. Go on. Next. Right? But mamas, we can't, we can't get all wrapped up in what our kids do. Our concern is to sow. So now you have a great responsibility. Let me not put that aside. And this is not a, a parenting message. If you want that, just come see me later. Anyway, we have a responsibility to keep training. I'm, my son's 20, what is he, 27, 28? My daughter is turning 30 in June. I still have a responsibility for training and discipling them in the Lord. Always will. I have a responsibility to you and you. I might not even know your name. I have a responsibility to you. We have responsibilities as spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. Always. So we don't write them off when they turn the age of accountability. Well, that's your choice. That's your problem. No, we all still have a responsibility. But I'm talking about if it doesn't turn out the way that you want it to turn out. Wow, God just pinched my heart over a few different memories of people that I've mentored and poured my heart into. I mean, given them everything and, and thought that this is it. They're, I mean, amen, they've got it. It's And epic failures have come from their life. It doesn't make them a failure. It doesn't make me a failure. That's not my responsibility. Praying for them, discipling them, still loving on them, sowing seed, continually sowing seed into them. That's my responsibility. But plan. Let me just tell you this. Plan for failure. 
Mamas, or let me just tell you, women look at other women and think, boy, if I had a husband like theirs, my life would be easier. Or if I had children like their children, my life would be Or if I was just more like sister so-and-so, you know, I would be. There's no, there's no perfect marriage. There's no perfect parent. There's no perfect ladies. It's not. And if it is, it's usually airbrushed. So just. I always, Denny, we started videotaping the messages, and he put that little trailer on Facebook last week, and he's like, I think I need to get a bigger lens so I can zoom in closer, like HD quality. I said, oh, please no. No. You stay back. I don't want you to zoom in any closer. I I don't want HD quality on, on this. No, please no. But if you look closely into any person's marriage, their you know, lifestyle, whatever, I mean, the best of the best, come on, Jesus turned over tables. He didn't say, oh, if you get angry. He said, when you get angry, don't sin. And as a matter of fact, he, he even knew that it was going to happen, and just don't go to bed. In your sin and in your anger. Okay, so work it out. Just work it out. The best marriages are the most open marriages. The best marriages are not the perfect marriages because there is no such a thing. There's no perfect mama out there. Okay? We're just all working together and we'll all pick ourselves up and we'll all just keep going. But plan for failure. It will happen. One of the biggest books, not biggest as in weight, but that changed my, not only my personal life, but my ministry, is a book by John Maxwell I read early on in the ministry. It was called Failing Forward. Things in my lifestyle, you know, what I did before, you know, I gave my heart back to the Lord just kind of set me up for um, insecurity. I could list a whole bunch of junk, but anyway, um, shame, you know, all that kind of, you know, that you battle with. So every time I made a mistake or something didn't turn out the way I wanted it to in ministry or in life or in family matters, I would like spend weeks, sometimes months, just depressed over it. I'm a failure. Look at I tried again, and that's what happened. This is horrible. And you know, I'm not gonna try. Okay, fine. I won't do that. I'm not supposed to do that. I guess I'll do this. I don't know. When I read that book, Failing Forward, it gave me permission to fail. It's gonna happen. What we do after it happens is what determines where we'll go. If I fail and I just sit down and throw my seat on the ground, I'm all done. I'm not doing this again. Then there's where I'll be. Two years, five years, ten years down the road. Not going or doing anything. But if I fail forward, I'm going to keep moving. I'm in a perpetual motion. What's that commercial say? Then those things that are in motion. Oh, that's not just a commercial. I think that's a theory, isn't it? The perpetual motion theory. Right, Jacob? Schoolwork right there? Those things that are in motion will stay in motion? Okay, he's like, mm, that must be next year. That's always a proper answer right there. That must be next year. school. Anyway, failing forward. Plan on it. You're going to make mistakes. It's okay. Keep going. Be quick to say I'm sorry. But guys, just for an added, don't try to say I'm sorry too fast because she'll ask you, really, what are you sorry for? Really? Here, here's, here's a little tip. Guys, this is your chocolate for today. Are you ready? If you happen to be into a, let's just say, conversation with a woman, and you realize there's no good route to get out of this, the best thing for you to do is look intently into her beautiful face, eye to eye, And with all the compassion you can muster in your voice, say, honey, 
I understand what you're feeling, and I am so sorry. That just gave you many desserts for many nights, if you know what I mean. I'm just saying, you don't even really have to, and you can repaint and sin no more with God later, but if you just do it, look into her eyes. Know that failure is going to happen, but fail forward. Plan, how can I get, I'm not going to stay here, I'm going to keep going, I'm going to keep going. Abraham Lincoln said, success is going from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. That's success. From failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Winston Churchill said, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. As moms, we've often had moments that we don't want to remember or want our kids to remember. Times when we've blown up, overreacted, lashed out, we've all suffered with the feelings of being a failure. But you are not a failure. Yes, you're human, and yes, you make mistakes. But we should not disqualify ourselves. Just continue to keep sowing the seeds. And this morning I was listening to Bill Johnson, and he got off on the topic of wrong thinking. And I just want to share with you what he said. I wrote it down real quickly. Because that's what happens. We get trapped in this mode of wrong thinking, and we need to reboot once in a while. Push the reset button. I'm not going to think that anymore. There are ways of thinking where people are constantly degrading themselves or constantly criticizing themselves or others. He goes on to say, I cannot afford to have a thought in my head about me that God doesn't have in his head about me. If I do, I entertain something and give place to something that will war against the promises of God. I cannot afford, I cannot afford, you know, I still battle with insecurities constantly, but I've got too much to do. The kingdom of God is hanging in the, there's people hanging in the balances and the kingdom of God, the seeds are in my pocket. I don't have time to sit around and, and, and oh, insecurity. I don't have time for that. Does it still plague my thoughts? Yes. I mean, think about it, people. I was voted in here within less than a year. There's the senior pastor still sitting here in the front row, asked to be my associate pastor, and I'm trying to take a new direction for the church. Not a new, new direction. A bigger leap into the direction the church Founded. Okay, I'm not trying to say I said that wrong. It's not a new direction. But taking steps like that with the senior pastor sitting right there, it's huge insecurities. It's insecurity for you too, isn't it? We battle with it all the time. You'll never get to a place, and if you do, please come pray for me, where you won't battle with insecurities. But we cannot afford to take the time to yeah, just waddle in it and wait and, oh, woe is me and look at how horrible I am. I could. Boy, I could. I, the, like I said, the kingdom of heaven is the seeds in your pocket that you are commanded. I am commanded to go sow. There is a whole harvest out there waiting, waiting. And I don't, I don't have time. I don't have time. You never know what message God can bring for your mess. And Amy shared with me, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, um, you know, every mom, I'm not just going to pick on Amy, but every mom battles with that, you know. Am I doing good? Am I not doing good? You know, I wish I, I think I should do more and should not do more. And every once in a while, God brings just a ray of sunshine into your little garden and says, yeah, 
you're, you're doing okay. And she shared with me something I want her to come up here and share with you today, that she got a little ray of sunshine last week. I think it was last week or the week before. She's slowly coming up, slowly coming up. I would have never got to read this except my son's teacher called me because he wouldn't have never shared it with me. Um, this is by Tommy, and he's going to be 18 pretty soon. And uh, it's a poem that he wrote um, about 10 years ago. We took in five foster kids. And so it's a poem that he wrote about that, and I never knew quite how he felt about what we did. And uh, so it's called I'll Never Forget. Never Shall I Forget. Never shall I forget that day, the first day that they came, which has changed my family forever. Sometimes the joy, seven times the joy, and almost seven times the kids. Never shall I forget those chubby faces. Never shall I forget those happy babies who went from zero to ten just like that beneath the house my father built. Never shall I forget when my family went from five to ten which has consumed so much food and time. Never shall I forget the noise that never stops, which sometimes brings joy and sometimes not. Never shall I forget those moments, which strengthens my family's devotion to God and turn dreams into reality. Never shall I forget these things. Never. Sow the word and keep sowing. Said other, others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop, sometimes 30, 60, sometimes even 100 times what was sown. This is the multiplication harvest that we all want to see Produced from our every seed that we sow. But that's not our responsibility. Keep doing good and you will reap harvest if you don't give up. Sow and keep sowing. Trust the harvest to God. Romans 8.28 And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Sow and keep sowing. As I close today, hint, hint, Crystal, or Amy, whoever, hint. As I close today, um, I really want us to focus on men and women. I want us to focus on that burden that we sometimes carry of shame, of guilt, of failures, of mistakes. And let me just throw in here of things that we hope that nobody finds out about us. And I'm talking to Christians. For years, Brian and I had a broken marriage. For years. As a pastor. But every time we would blow up in the home, I would quickly run around and want to fix everything because we got to clean it all up because, hello, my pastor, leader in the church, and we don't, you know, this, you know, we can't do this. We can't, our family can't be falling apart like this. And I would lift up the carpet and sweep it all under the carpet and put the carpet back down and, okay, everything's beautiful again. And just hope somebody doesn't trip over that big pile under that carpet every time they walk in the house. Because it would happen again. Everything would blow up. Ah, and then I'd go around, oh no, and try to sweep it all up. We all have those things in our life that aren't picture perfect. That we quickly grab up and hide. And even pray, God, don't let anybody see that. And he's saying, Hello, I see that. And you know what? I can fix that. And in our last big blow-up that Brian and I had before we separated years ago, 
I was crying out at the altar. God, how could you let this happen? I dedicated my life to your service and did this and years and did that and did this. And why can't you fix that and fix this for me? God, you should be able to just slap it. Fix this. He said, I cannot heal what you continue to hide. And I'll never forget that. That will be, I mean, if I want to get another tattoo, I might get that tattooed on me. I'm not promoting tattoos. I'm just saying that was life-changing. God cannot heal in you what you continue to hide. Because he showed me a picture of that rug and that my problems, I continue to sweep up, sweep under, and hide. And he says, Brenda, if you would just open up your hand and offer it to me, I can heal it. I can fix this. But you quickly, the minute that you want to show me, look how broken this is, look how broken this is, you grab it back into your hand and you stick it in your pocket. And you hide it from me. Said, I can't heal it if you don't give it to me. And we've all had those things. As a matter of fact, I bet a bunch of you came into the church this morning with those kind of things. And whatever it is, a marriage, a child, a relationship, maybe it's something you're battling it with. Pornography, lust, whatever. And you think, I can do this. I can fix this. I can fix this. God said, you don't need to. And as a matter of fact, it's all in vain. The only healer is the healer. The only one that can forgive you is the forgiver. God is all you need. But he's asking you to just hold it out to him. Or as a matter of fact, come up to the altar and lay it down before him. And then do not pick it back up again and walk out with it. That's a spit in the face of God. Because like I said earlier, it's saying in essence, you're not big enough. What you did was not enough to forgive me or heal me. But he is saying, if you just stop hiding it, I want to heal it. So if every head bowed, eyes closed, I want to speak to you, the ones that you know it. Your heart get, keeps getting squeezed that, boy, that's me. I keep battling with this or that. I keep trying to hide it. God's saying today, if you give it to me, I'll heal it. You'll receive the forgiveness that you have been begging God for but haven't been able to forgive yourself for. If that's speaking to you with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to pray for you, but I want you to just raise your hand and say, yep, Pastor Brenda, that's me. Yep, yep, I see your hands. I got a burden too big. I've been hiding something that I need God to heal today. Yeah, I see your hand. Yeah, I see your hand. Yeah, I see your hand. All over, yeah, yeah. Huge, huge. You don't have to carry that burden anymore. God has everything you need. You just simply need to give it to him. Give him the burden and take all the resources of heaven with you. Leave the burden. And if you're here today and you don't have a, a right relationship, let me put it that way, with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as leader of your life, and you are ready to make today your day and ask him to be the leader and Lord of your life, I want to pray with you today, too. Just raise your hand right where you're at. Yeah, I see your hand. I see your hand. Yeah. Today is your day. You can have a new relationship. A new relationship. You were created in the image of God. And he can restore that perfect image in you today. 
He can wipe that slate clean. Every label that you or the world has tried to place on you will all be stripped away today. Let me just pray with you. God, you've seen these hands. You've seen the one that came in here that are carrying the burdens. Lord, you've already seen them. You see everything. Why do we continue to hide what you see? What can man do to me? You're the one that's important, God. You're the one that's important. I'm going to ask you in a few minutes to take a bold step. If that's you and you have that burden, if you were one of those that raised your hand or you knew you should have raised your hand, you're needing a healing, you need to lay down a burden, you need something fixed in your life that you continue to hide, in a few minutes I'm going to ask you to take a bold step and come up here at the altar and lay it down. It's between you and God. But we've got a prayer team here that wants to pray with you and agree with you. But prayer team, if you are one of those that raised your hand, take off that lanyard and get prayer. There's no shame, no condemnation. We are all brothers and sisters, all trying to do all that God has called us to do. There's no shame. But let me just speak to them. The few that ask that today they start a new relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Today is your day. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer with you. But the rest of this day and the rest of your life is epic. You can't do it alone. You have to come up. You have to make a bold step yourself and tell someone that you made a decision today. And if you come and tell us, we have a book we want to give you to help you in your walk. We want to team you up with some good godly mentors fathers, spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers that are going to walk with you and help you in your new journey. It's a simple prayer. It's just simply saying, God, I lay down everything. God, everything at your feet, at the cross. Jesus, I know that you took all my sin, all my sickness, all my mistakes, all my failures, you covered it all in your blood when you died for me, for my sins. And I ask for that forgiveness to just wash over me. God, for your love to pour in me and through me. Jesus, I just accept everything that you purchased for me to have, every resource. God, I receive all you have for me right now. Right now. Right now. And I give you my heart. My life. And I commit to serve you today with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. You as my Lord, as the leader of my life. For your glory. For your name's sake. Jesus' name. Would you stand with me?